this chair is gonna drive me crazy. I'm gonna just, just like every time I move, it's Rick. Okay, how do I? Crypt Keeper sounds. <laughs> oh my God, do kids today even know who the Crypt Keeper is? Am I dating I us? <laughs> I mean, we are old. Oh man, not as old as the Crypt Keeper though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is super duper old. Now I'm sitting in this Ikea chair that is hopefully quieter. What the <laughs> hell is happening? Hi, I'm Gabby. I use she, her pronouns. I am a senior library assistant, and my favorite holiday tradition is the candlelight service on Christmas Eve. I'm Amanda. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a children's librarian, and my favorite holiday tradition is getting presents. My name is Brittany, and I use she/her pronouns. And I'm a library services supervisor. My favorite holiday tradition for any holiday is eating the food. And this is the Ask Us Desk. So we are the Ask Us Desk. We are library professionals who are here to answer your questions about libraries, librarians, books, and anything else. You can email us at askuspod at gmail.com or find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at askuspod. So what are y'all currently reading right now? I just started, like literally just started last night aka early this morning. Love Scammed by Rilsey Adams. It's a steamy little romance novel and I'm loving it. The setup of the, the novel is that it is the ultimate blind date. Uh, two friends trick their single friends into going on a five-day tropical vacation together. Um, they don't find this out until they are at the airport in Miami with each other uh, to catch their connecting flight. So it's immediately very intense. Uh, strangers, forced proximity, conniving best friends, smoking hot characters, <laughs> like wowza. Like both both the guy and the girl, like hello. So yeah, oh, and the, the week long, the five day vacation is also over Valentine's Day. So oh, you God. have, <laughs> so you have that kind of drama. I would hate that. I'm just saying right now to both of you. You would die. Yeah. Yes, I would. Um, if Joe and I ever break up, do not ever plan a playing date like that for me. I would go insane. Just give me the trip for free and I'll go by myself. I don't think I could ever be selfless enough when it came to a tropical vacation <laughs> to like plan the whole setup and be like, and then be like, oh no, I'm not really going. I might still do that, but then also still show up at the resort. <laughs> That's fair. So I'm currently reading More Than Human by Theodore Sturgeon. Is that how you say that name? That sounds uh, right. Yeah, and uh, it's a 1953 science fiction novel. It's for my Classics of Science Fiction book club. I just started reading it and um, I forgot that I was reading it. And so <laughs> I haven't gotten very far into it and I'm not exactly sure what it's about. It's It reads kind of like an allegory. It's the main character is called the idiot and the idiot is going through life. And I think he has some sort of superpower where he can 
convince people to do things for him it's very unclear because like the way it's written is very poetic I guess I don't know it's hard to follow it's luckily it's a pretty short book but I I had to stop reading it because I was like I don't even know what is happening but that's what I'm currently reading more than human and I am reading a court of mist and fury by Sarah J Moss it's the second in a court of thorns and roses and I'm about a little under halfway through it's pretty good I'm actually liking it better than the first book and if you don't know what A Court of Thorns and Roses is about. Um, it is a Beauty and the Beast retelling set with a fairy world. I think we've talked about it in a past episode. I think, Amanda, you mentioned it when you were reading it, right? Yes, I read the first two and um, I like the second one better than the first one, but yeah. there are some flaws, I think, oh, that yeah. are just central to the storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think the writing is very good, but that is probably just because, you know, this uh, author is one of those authors that just cranks out a bunch of stories impossibly. Like, I don't know how she writes them all. Maybe that's not fair. I don't know. I just I just found it, like, kind of repetitive, and it used some questionable descriptions. Like, I talked about the bowels being watery, which <laughs> was a thing that was from. Yeah. And, I, uh, I laughed when I got to that part in the first one, and I thought of you, and I was like, oh. I mean, yeah. it, she repeats it so many times. Like, she's so proud of this descriptor that she's come up with, but I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, there, I mean, she does use certain language over and over again, and that's not the only phrase she reuses repeatedly, but I think because I went in, I, I mean, it was hyped up a lot. So I think it's, it's it's a mix of too much hype. So where it's like, I don't get how popular this series is, but also I guess I went in thinking it would be maybe be too cringy because I also then was reading other reviews about how cringy it is. So it's, <laughs> it's like, I'm enjoying it, you know? It's yeah. A, it's, a fun, it's a fun book. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed the second one. I think there's just that, element of it of the males and females component oh, yeah. to it that makes me think of like Ferengi from uh Star Trek where it's just like the females <laughs> and it's just like really like creepy and gross and I don't know I just I don't really like it yeah um, which is valid I definitely think that it should be more diverse like it's all it's very white very heteronormative and there are certain characters where I'm like okay they had to at least be bi or pan right and I keep hearing that anyway that they're not but that's besides (laughs) the fact yeah I mean they're like fairies right which is kind of like in the line of mythology they're just kind of like shape-shifting and sleeping with everyone and everything yes it's exactly. not male and females like that's not how that works <laughs> so it's just confusing yeah I haven't read it and that's such a turnoff for me like you're gonna get you're gonna try to give me a fae world have that be a major part of your story and give me no queerness yes. yeah at no. all mm-hmm. yeah. I mean so far again I'm only like 200 something pages out of 600 something pages in the second book I'm glad with the direction that the book is the series is going in some ways because I hated the love interest in the first book so much like he was boring at first and then I'm like oh my god you're you're just toxic and a dick and so it's moved spoiler I guess it's moves away from him <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that's a court of mist and fury by Sarah J Moss love scammed by Rilsey Adams more than human by Theodore Sturgeon mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so how's it going? How's life? I got my second vaccine, uh, so I'm happy. And um, I did get sick the day after, which kind of stinks, but it was worth it still. So that's some good news. And Amanda, you have some good news. Yeah, I got my first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. So I am actually really impressed with our union and our library leadership because we are probably we're the only library system that I'm aware of there might be others out there that have not open like fully open to allow people inside the buildings um, until the library staff were eligible to be vaccinated Wow. so we are opening for limited in-person services probably sometime later like in May or something is the, I think the goal. And by that point, everyone will have had the vaccine. will have had the option to have both doses. Props to your library, man. That's awesome. That is not our world. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not most people's world. I was reading this thread of like horror stories over the last year of the pandemic of people getting fired and furloughed and yeah. being forced to work in unsafe conditions and just like feel for everybody out there who's having to deal with all of that especially just like our library also provided like PPE for us they also provided uh, different leave codes for us for COVID reasons and also we're getting like uh, protected leave to get the vaccinations I mean we are pretty lucky we're we're open to people are coming in and browsing and we have been for a good few months now I don't remember when that started but um and we're soon going to be opening even up more services where people can come in and use the tables and chairs and hang out in the library longer. So another a good thing about the library system that we work for is that we do get that protected time off to be able to go get the vaccine. You know, you're not going to have to use, you shouldn't be using sick leave. You shouldn't be, you know, um, worried about finding someone to, you know, take over your schedule. They're being very lenient about letting people go out and do that. And we have a certain, like, it's called e-sick. Um, so if you're not feeling well because of side effects after the vaccine, you don't have to use your regular sick time. You have a, it's like a different code for that, which I do like, but there's a very big city near us, um, that they ended up furloughing, God, what was it like at least half of the staff? Yeah, about half of their staff. Yeah. yeah. And then they made those who were not furloughed all have to reapply for their jobs uh -uh. Yeah. yeah we've had a few people leave that library system and were telling us about that because they're now working with us and i'm just like that is awful i cannot imagine on top of everything else with this last year being like okay well do you want to keep your job you need to apply for it and then interview it for interview for it it's what yeah, well, and then we've heard stories too out of there, like people who re uh, like re interviewed were like, ah, we don't really, we're not really feeling you for your old spot. You could have yeah. this one over here, though. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Um. But also, we are recording this on National Library Workers Day, so Happy National Library Workers Day and Ooh. National Library Week. Um. Go visit your library. Support your library. Tell librarians you know and library work workers that you know how awesome they are and that you appreciate them. It makes us feel good. <laughs> it does. I had a patron wish me happy library workers day today and I was blown away. Like, <laughs> how did you how did you know this? <laughs> yeah, it was, this was our secret inside. <laughs>
Did you used to be one of us? <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> I told Joe and I was like, Carrie, what are you going to do to celebrate librarian and library workers day? What are you going to do for me? <laughs> right, is there any more small talk stuff? Library Twitter and book Twitter both have just been a flame yeah. uh, in recent days, weeks. I think the hashtag was let librarians say fuck or librarians say oh. fuck. <laughs> fuck yeah, librarians. I don't remember exactly what it was. There was a virtual conference. Alex Brown has a blog and her Twitter talks about this. And she was a panelist on my panel for this conference. And she and another panelist both used the word fuck one time each, I believe, um, in this panel. And the, I almost said narrator, not narrator, moderator, uh, different er, then later sort of wrote this very virtually teary kind of, oh no, like this language was used and like I stayed silent and woe is me and I didn't do the right thing and sort of it was very much a very it was a blog length subtweet at, at this panel panelists had never been addressed about this yes it's a very long story but a short version is it later came back via this blog to the panelists that they were now being sort of vaguely talked about in this blog and that the YouTube video of their panel would then be edited without their permission to edit out the foul language. There are a lot of underlying issues. Um, the moderator was white, the panel was BIPOC. And so there was a lot of subversive other things going on. There was also some, I believe body, like body positivity things happening in the panel. There was just, like I said, go check out that blog. Um, Alex Brown did a really great job summarizing and writing it up but I think in our library community are not as progressive as we like to think we are and this isn't really about saying the word fuck so much as it is tone policing certain people in the library community can say and do things that other people cannot and it's a problem and I think that Alex even talked about this um because I was reading some of the the tweets about it I don't know what their pronouns are, so I'm going to say they. They were saying that they purposely used fuck uh, as an emphasis. Like they were, there was yeah. a purpose behind that word choice. It wasn't like they just dropped the F-bomb by accident. It was purposely there. They purposely said it in context with something I think it had to do with racism. And so the audience members did not pick up the context clues or the importance of it or if there's maybe a cultural difference there to where they didn't understand fully why that person used that word that's still not the panelists fault <laughs> you're all you're all adults if you didn't like it okay then just walk out of the panel and live your life exactly Go to another and panel also Brittany, you're right um alex uses they them and oh, so i apologize and we'll use they them in regards to Alex moving forward. Most of us who have ever presented or spoken publicly, we choose very carefully what we're going to say, including expletives. And that's what expletives are for. They're to emphasize a point. I, it got me kind of thinking about the difference cultural norms at different institutions and then like you have to think about who set those cultural norms and why and when and mm -hmm. all that stuff you know I was just thinking sort of a random side tangent but like my first job um if you wore a skirt or a dress it was still written in the uh, dress code that you had to wear stockings like a uh, pantyhose 
um, <laughs> if you did that. And it was just like wild to me that I was like, why is this a rule? And I think that at a lot of the libraries in Texas where I've worked, I never worked anywhere where anyone swore. That was not a thing that I experienced when I worked there. But, you know, I've lived in Seattle for a while now and I've worked at different places up here and A, like dress codes are just not a thing. Like what? <laughs> there's like, there's not a dress code. Like we, no, there's not a dress code at all. Um, there's a closed toed shoe thing. If you work in certain areas doing certain tasks, people use their best judgment, but I think. Wait, can um, you wear like any shirt? Can you wear jeans? Can you? Yeah, the only, uh, the exact dress code is clean what brb moving to seattle <laughs> what yeah it's like what you're wearing must be clean you can't be like covered in, in dirt done but yeah some of my, my coworkers is blown right now <laughs> yeah i mean i wear jeans and a t-shirt to work like almost every day and tennis shoes and a lot of my coworkers um who you know do a lot of like physical labor they wear like sweatpants and sometimes they wear like what? baseball caps and things yeah just like whatever Oh my god. I'm so um, <laughs> But also, I brought that up because also, you know, a lot of my coworkers use fuck words and like that I word? uh yeah, they use that word. They say like the shit we have to put up with, you know, like <laughs> and just like all the time like we're like, "Oh man." And like I find myself doing it too because it's like a cultural norm like when we're talking to each other. Yeah. So it's kind of like a expectations that is set communally almost. And if you're not privy to what those expectations are, or, if, you know, like you're coming into a space and you think the expectations are X and they're really Y, you know, like that is really confusing, but definitely you shouldn't. Yeah. If you didn't, if you are the organizer for that event and you didn't set those expectations, that is on you. I a hundred percent agree. And like, the person who is attending the panel and obviously the moderator probably had expectations in their head that, you know, professionals don't swear or whatever. That was like something that they had in their head. I mean, it's not correct. <laughs> like universally, obviously, like, and to not give them the consideration of informing them, like all the panelists, like first before doing a weird cryptic blog post, like all of that is just very like, why are you doing things this way? It would be one thing if you emailed them and were like, oh, hey, I got a complaint about, you know, using the F word. Is it okay if I edit that out? And if they're like, no, actually I used it for a reason. Then you could be like, oh, cool. Like, I mean, this, this could have been like a really straightforward conversation. I don't understand why this happens in librarianship all the time. Yeah. But like and we're supposed to be the best at like communicating and all of these things, apparently there's a lot of us that do not have good communication <laughs> skills and it drives me up the wall. <laughs> yeah, the panelists should have absolutely been approached first and given the option about the editing. They wound up not, the conference wound up not putting it, the video of their panel up. At because all. all of, at all. Because the panelists themselves came together and said, no, if you, at this point, if you want to edit it, no, don't put it up. Like we declined for you to do that. And thankfully their wishes have been honored in regards to that. Those panelists are never gonna work wanna work with that right. conference again. And why would they? I it seriously just... want to move to Seattle now though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean it is not without its faults. Like there are definitely 
I would recommend, yeah. I mean, why am I trying to talk you out of it? Yes, come, <laughs> come, come be here. <laughs> You'll have to deal with the crazy like house prices, but it would be nice oh, to God. have more friends up here always. Yes. Oh, man, I can't even imagine the house prices there. I've been stressing about them here. So this episode is Happy Holidays because one of our prompts is to read a book that is about or has somewhere in the story a holiday being celebrated that you don't personally celebrate. So guess what? If you don't celebrate Christmas or Halloween, (laughs) you are in luck because those books are really easy to find and um, just do like a Google search. There's like 10 bazillion Goodreads lists. Um, But if you do happen to celebrate Christian holidays and Halloween, which I don't, I mean, I guess it's sort of a Christian (laughs) holiday. I don't know. It's a question mark holiday or American holidays um, like 4th of July or Memorial Day, (laughs) Thanksgiving. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Probably a Memorial Day book is harder to find, but you know, there's, there's There's a cozy mystery out there somewhere. There's a cozy mystery out there somewhere. But some of the holidays are harder to find, so we have some suggestions for those. Um, what did y'all experience in your search for uh, holiday books? This was so hard, and I hate that it was so hard. Um, <laughs> companies need to seriously branch out. Um, but I was, <laughs> I don't read even Christmas books, okay? I don't read holiday books. I can, I can listen to Christmas music maybe for a week or two and then I'm tired of it, okay? I'm just, I love the holidays. I like how cheery it is, but I'm just like, okay, I need some break from it, except for Halloween. I, I start Halloween September 1st. Love Oh, Halloween. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween's the best. It was difficult finding books, um, first of all, um, about that were set during holidays that I don't celebrate because there's not a lot, especially for adult and teen, um, which is usually what I read. Like I could think of books that were maybe set with different cultures or different traditions or people who have different beliefs. I could name, you know, five just off the top of my head right now, but none of them took place during the holidays of those religions. Um, how was the search for you, both of you? Yeah, I ended up picking a bunch of picture books because that's what I know as a children's librarian. So I have a bunch of suggestions for that, but I couldn't find much um, in the way of adult books. How was your search, Gabby? Because I th- feel like you put probably some adult books on your list. Yes, it was it was a challenge. I'm not going to lie, which I had a vague sense that it would be mainly because I've been trying to diversify our paperback romance collection at my branch for about a year and a half now. And it's been a challenge to do that um, just because A, like we talked about, there are not a plethora of different options published. Um, But even on top of that, what is published is not always offered um, via the vendors that libraries use to collect their titles. And then once you even get within that, there's, for instance, there's more books about Jewish holidays than there are about Buddhist holidays or Hindu holidays or Muslim Muslim holidays. Yeah, absolutely. One of the reasons I wanted to do this prompt was I think holidays are a great way, even via fiction, 
like to connect with something you're unfamiliar with. Um, and especially holidays, I think, because most holidays are like joyful and celebrating and everybody can relate to that. Right. So I feel like you could say mm-hmm. happy holidays right now. And that could be referring to, we just had, uh, well, we just had Easter and then there's also, um, Holy, which happened the festival of colors. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, Ramadan is about to happen. Passover. Passover. So like the spring is actually a really big holiday season for a lot of different cultures. So I think that that's kind of a cool thing to touch on. Uh, So I will do a couple of picture book recommendations. I came across our favorite day of the year by A.E. Ali, illustrated by Rahele Jampur Bell. Um, And this book is really cool because it is about a teacher who wants all of the kids in the class to talk about their favorite day. So she starts off by saying, my favorite day of the year is the first day of school, Uh, which I don't know if I believe that uh, teacher lady. (laughs) I think probably the first day of summer is your favorite day of the year, Um, if I would guess. Um, But then some of the other students, you know, a little boy's like, Halloween's my favorite because of candy and dressing up. And then um, the story centers around a child whose favorite holiday is Eid. And so they get to tell the story of Eid and uh, celebrate with their classmates. It's really beautifully illustrated. It would be a great book to read in the classroom. It would be a great book to read with your kid. I think it's a little bit long for a story time read aloud, at least the way that I like to do them. But I think it would be yeah, a great book to share as a teacher or with your child to introduce them to other religions and other holidays. Um, I also really loved Grace Lynn, the author illustrator Grace Lynn. I will promote any of her books, just read them all, read them all. So she has written a couple of books about holidays. So she wrote and illustrated Bring in the New Year, which is a short uh, picture book with bright images. It's a really great like toddler story time or preschool story time read aloud if you're celebrating the Lunar New Year, which I do. So I guess this one doesn't, this wouldn't be one that I could read because I do celebrate Lunar New Year with my husband's family. She has a book called A Big Moon Cake for Little Star, which is about um, the mid-autumn festival when everybody eats moon cakes. Um, Again, I don't celebrate that holiday, except I do eat the moon cakes. Um, (laughs) They're they're a big part of that holiday, um, as Brittany's favorite thing is to eat food. You'll appreciate mooncakes are delicious. And um, when they come out in like September or actually they come out usually in August at the like um, Asian grocery store, you could buy a bunch and they're delicious. I'm going to. Um, some people don't like them just as like a warning cause they're, yeah. you know, they're not like super sweet and they have egg yolk in them. So mm. uh, they're kind of like a sweet, savory, really dense cake. And I, I love them. I will like, you're not supposed to eat a whole one either, but sometimes I'll eat like half a one and feel kind of what? ill because it's like <laughs> it's like uh, really like dense and high, very caloric, and it's just like why are um, things made? And you're not supposed to be able to eat the full thing of it. <laughs> well, you're supposed to share it with your family. It come uh. most of them come with this little like knife for you to like this little plastic knife for you to cut it up and share it. Um, I think a good amount is like actually about an eighth like a little eighth sliver is this like the size of a cake it's the size of like 
I'm doing this so you can see on camera, but like the listeners can't see, but it's about the size of a, I don't know, what would you say? Like a floppy disk? <laughs> is, that, is that a reference anyone's going to It's delicious and I highly recommend it. And Grace Lynn's book, A Big Mooncake for Little Star is about um, a little girl who keeps eating parts of the moon. It's based on the um, actual folk tale of why the moon gets smaller um so it's just really really cute um and then also there's a beautiful picture book that came out last year i believe called the gift of ramadan it's just beautifully illustrated i saw the cover the colors and i was just so enamored by it and this book is by rabba york lombard and illustrated by laura k horton and it's about a little girl who is really excited to participate in Ramadan. She wa- she likes it because she likes sparkly things. And her grandma, I believe, tells her that it's the sparkliest of all holidays. Um, and so she gets really excited about it. But then she has a hard time because she's a little kid uh, with the fasting part. But she's still able to participate in other ways and it's just a really cute story and then there's also the festival of colors by sarista and kabar segal and it's illustrated by vashti harrison um this book also came out last year i want to say it's also beautifully illustrated and the thing i like about this book is that i feel like it would be a good story time read aloud because it's short and simple and it also goes over each color you know so it would be great for like a color story time um, but also obviously great for a holy story time which is the holiday that this book is celebrating Um, so it's about these two kids who gather all these different flowers and they crush them up into these powders um, to use for the uh, the ceremony where everybody dresses in white and they throw colorful powders at each other so that one is a really beautiful book um, also came out last year a book called Welcoming Elijah, a Passover Tale with a Tail, T-A-I-L, <laughs> because there's a kitty in this book. Um, this is by Leslie Newman and illustrated by Susan Gall. And this book is about um, Elijah, who is waiting for Passover to start, which is an eight-day cel- Jewish celebration Uh, celebrating the freedom of the Jewish slaves from Egypt. And uh, there's a Seder, which is like a lot of delicious food and a celebration. And there's a little kitty um, who shows up and hangs out with them. And so that one's cute. So those are my picture book recommendations. There are a ton of cute picture books for a lot of holidays, especially published recently, because there's been a big push I think for diverse voices in picture books. And so I'm really happy to see all of these newer titles coming out with all these great stories. Those all sound really good. I've only read one of the books that I'm going to be recommending and I'm planning on reading one of them this year to fill this prompt. Uh, The one that I have read was The Chosen by Haim Potok. I read it back in high school. I vaguely remember all the details of it or any of the details of it but it it, um, is about two Jewish boys one who's orthodox and one who is a Hasidic Jew and living in New York City during the 1940s and it explores the religion um, the pressures that are put on them as teenagers 
and having to go to school, the direction that their their both of their fathers are wanting them to go in life. Um, and I believe there is a scene near the end of the book that is during Passover. Um, so it doesn't really fit where like they're celebrating the holiday, but it does take place during um, a holiday that I personally do not um, celebrate. But that's the only one of these that I could think of <laughs> where I've read, of, read um, where the a holiday is being celebrated. Um, but the one I put on hold from the library is Once Upon an Eid. Um, it is a short story collection by and about Muslims about Eid. Uh, or set during Eid, which is a Muslim holiday. Some of the authors that were the editors of it are Aisha Saeed and S.K. Ali. Most of them are going to be short stories by different Muslim authors, and there's also, I think, a graphic novel and a poem in it. So it sounds really interesting, and Eid is kind of a, a holiday of more about celebration and joy, and just sounds like it'll be really cute and fun. Um, so thank you, Gabby, for coming up with this prompt. I'm going to be reading a holiday book. I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> I am a grinch with a small heart, um, apparently, because I don't like holiday books. But anyway, and another one I found that looks interesting is in also a collection of stories. It's called The Return of the Light, 12 Tales from Around the World for the Winter Solstice by Carolyn McVar Edwards. And it shows um, how the winter solstice was, was like the mythology um, celebrated throughout the world on different continents, certainly North America, China, Scandinavia, India, Africa, Europe, Polynesia, South America, and more. That looks interesting. So if you want to learn more about the uh, mythology and how other cultures celebrated winter solstice, there's that one. And then there is a YA book called The Hired Girl by Laura Amy Schlitz. It's a YA fiction novel. It's about this girl who becomes, I think, a maid um, in a prominent Jewish family. And there's a few different Jewish holidays, supposedly the one I've read from reviews that um, take place in the book. And it shows them celebrating them and um, the different traditions. Those are ones that I could find, and I feel guilty for not having read any of these by the time we were talking about this. So I could be like, yes, definitely read this. Uh, but those are, if you're looking for some adult and YA, those are some recommendations. I focus my search mostly on uh, Jewish holidays. Uh, the Jewish tradition has always been something of a personal interest of mine. Even though I didn't eat as a kid and a teen, I didn't even know any Jewish people. Uh, really? Yeah. Wow. I lived in very Baptist suburbia <laughs> growing up. <laughs> part of that personal personal note from me, um, I think part of that stems my mom has always, I think, been very drawn to the Jewish faith itself and tradition, even though she was raised Catholic um, and then joined the Protestant church later. So I think that some of that carried over like she and I have visited um, a synagogue a couple of times uh, to observe services which is beautiful but the first book I'm going to recommend I read a couple of years ago it's a book called How to Spell Hanukkah and Other Holiday Dilemmas it was edited by Emily Franklin I believe there are 18 essays um, 
in it. So there are 18 different authors that contributed and they're all personal essays about Hanukkah, uh, how, and just the many different ways that it can be celebrated, I think. So I grew up celebrating Christmas and, you know, a lot of people celebrate Christmas in different ways, not, you know, there are staples that are largely the same, but a lot of people celebrate it in different ways. Well, I think you kind of, when you don't know about other traditions, you just sort of think, oh, you know, there's another like Hanukkah. Well, everyone who celebrates Hanukkah must celebrate the same way. And obviously that's not true. And so this was, uh, it's a beautifully put together set of essays, um, essays on people who currently practice Hanukkah that maybe had gotten away from it, people who no longer practice it, but have fond and not so fond memories of it growing up, just the different elements of family and celebration and stresses and all the things you associate with big, <laughs> celebrating big holidays. As a side note, um, the way I'm looking at the notes and how to spell Hanukkah reminded me of a cameo video that I once saw where I guess a, an actor was wishing somebody a happy Hanukkah but he didn't uh he didn't know this spelling so he said happy chinooka whatever that is <laughs> and i just thought that that was really funny because like right away i knew like when he said chinooka like right away my brain was like that should be hanukkah uh <laughs> yeah again it's one of those things like if you have if you've never crossed into the orbit of uh, holidays from other cultures like you would yeah you wouldn't know and then you have Hebrew and Yiddish and it's like and it's funny you say that because on the cover of this book um it says how to spell Hanukkah but over Hanukkah overlaid on Hanukkah is the Chinooka spelling shall we say in different font so the other two I'm going to talk about are on my TBR um I've not read them yet and this is yeah this is me needing to read outside my own holidays uh and the Cindy Lou Who to Britney's Grinch I love holiday books I love Christmas books if you need Santa erotica in particular hit me up I've got Rex for you <laughs> terrifying i think we're still i think Brittany and i are still firmly team sexy santa is not a thing for us and i am all aboard the sexy santa sleigh so <laughs> finger guns oh, um <laughs> don't kick me out of the podcast guys please <laughs> uh, <laughs> So the next, it's called Eight Kisses. It is an anthology of Hanukkah romance. This comes up a lot if you, if you like me, have done Hanukkah romance novel searches. <laughs> and it, not all of the authors, I, I don't believe all of the authors are Jewish, but several of them are. That was another thing I struggled with in this search. I kept finding authors not of that culture writing mm -hmm romance especially romances I think for me personally I want to try very much to focus on stories coming out of that culture from authors of that yeah. of that background who have that history with cel either celebrating or growing up with that I don't I think it can be done correctly but it is something that I would be very careful about yeah like there was this one book I found that sounded interesting and it's set during Day of the Dead in Mexico mm -hmm. but it was by a white author 
no 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 yeah so yeah so those are my thoughts on that so there's the caveat with this anthology i believe that most of the contributors are jewish either culturally or ethnically is that the right word i'm looking for there um but not all of them but it is holiday hanukkah romance with a bunch of different like time periods (laughs) because jewish people have been around and have been in lots of places in the world (laughs) one of the things i can't stand and this is not necessarily just about jewish holidays but you know it's like well these kinds of people weren't here at this point in history and most of the time when people say that in my presence i want to slap them usually i default to can i give you some historical background on that actually only white people were around a long time ago gabby (sighs) white christians only (laughs) that's all history has ever had (laughs) oh yeah that makes me think about uh king arthur that thing recently yeah that movie that came out that was a movie right or was that a tv show no it was a movie yes yeah and it's like well well actually there were were all sorts of people living in england even then of all different backgrounds races religion this came up with the whole the the bridgerton thing recently right like y'all i'm gonna need you to do some research Uh yes yes there have been black people in england for a very long time anyway rabbit trail so yes so eight kisses holiday hanukkah anthology has lots of different time frames from regency to contemporary you've got some interfaith romance happening which i always think is interesting i'm always fascinated in real life when i meet couples who are of different faiths i'm like that's amazing like I don't always get along with my partner and we're pretty similar (laughs) how do you do that so the third book I'm going to talk about is called Sunday Stayed Home and the third book in a mystery series called The Rabbi Small Mysteries Um, and I've got to tell you I am absolutely delighted to discover this series Uh, the author is Harry Kimmelman Um, yes Brittany found this for me (laughs) and I'm delighted. I love mystery series. I've actually, I've not been a mystery reader for a couple of years. Um, Stress has moved me into the romance genre because I need less dead people and more happy, happily ever afters. Uh, It's it's where I'm at, people. But uh, this mystery series, uh, I believe the first one was written in like the early 1960s. So it's a little bit older. uh, So I am interested to see how it's aged. And I believe there are 12 books in the series. I was going to say Preacher Mysteries. (laughs) What am I trying to say, Gabby? Uh, Mysteries featuring people of the cloth, shall we say, are quite popular. You've got lots of vicars solving crimes uh, coming out of Britain. So I'm really excited to see a mystery series about a rabbi. I think that's great. And so this, the third one, I believe, is set during Passover. And then honorable mention will go to a young adult anthology called My True Love Gave to Me, which was edited by Stephanie Perkins. And I don't remember how many contributors contributors there are. I think there are 13. Um, and a lot of the short stories are in fact Christmas related. However, there's, I believe one or two Hanukkah ones, a winter solstice. There are alternative to Christmas 
stories in the anthology. So if you would like a young adult anthology, super cute. I will say it is a little bit dated as far as teens may be like, we don't talk like this and it's valid. It's a little bit older, um, but still super cute stories if, if you want a young adult. Nice. And I also wanted to say that um, in keeping with trying to suggest Steel Life by Louise Penny for every, <laughs> well, every prompt that it is possibly eligible for, um, it does take place around Canadian Thanksgiving. So for all you non-Canadians out there, this one's for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, you should then play Oh Canada because you're like, this one's for you, like an old DJ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one's for you. Whoop, whoop. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. But yeah, so for this prompt, you can read um, any holiday that you do not personally celebrate. Um, we did not give an exhaustive list by any means. These are no. just recommendations. And if you have any recommendations for us, let us know. And I will say as an adult, like there is no shame in reading children's books. Yeah. Um, period at all. End of statement. There's no shame in reading children's books. Yeah, um, you but it's your book for this prompt. Like, yeah, well, go ahead. Yeah, we'll accept it. Um, but I'll say children's books and children like juvenile nonfiction books are actually a really great intro uh, to many topics. Um, you know. For those of us who were more artsy inclined, like science and math and all of that, but especially like holidays when there aren't a lot of adult options and the, some of the adult options that are out there are very academic, like children's books are a great fun way to get introduced to things, to holidays you're not familiar with or other stuff. So highly recommend like go in, your librarian's not going to judge you. They're there to help you. Mm -hmm learn more and before we end today i also wanted to say congratulations to at hermione gems on instagram who won our Woo. first ask us reading challenge Woo! congratulations i have sent them their prize which was a 25 dollar gift card to bookshop.org and we will be doing this again. We're doing them kind of quarterly. So check back probably the end of June, I want to say, June 30th, the deadline for the next go round. So keep participating in the hashtag ask us reading challenge. The way to enter would be to follow us on Instagram or Twitter to post about the book that you're reading for any of the prompts with the hashtag ask us reading challenge and make sure to tag us so that we see it. If you're also just not into social media, you can always even email us at askuspod at gmail.com. However you want to enter, enter away. We want to see what you're reading. We want to know how you're yeah. feeling in these prompts. And if you want to follow us personally on our social medias, you can see what we're reading. Sure. Yeah. You can find me, Gabby, um, on Twitter and Instagram at Gabby Books It. You can find me on Twitter at Amanda Grace Hua. And you can find me on Instagram at Amanda Grace Reads. And you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Bookish Brittany. And if you want, you can see if you go to Ask a Pod on either of them, it has our Twitter and Instagram handles listed on them as well. So it is now time for the one star Goodreads review. 
So I decided to go with A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, one of the <laughs> most well-known Western Christmas books. Um, and it has, uh, I think, over 600,000 reviews on Goodreads. Um, so I found one from March 11th, 2019 from Liam Reeves. And Liam gave it one star because complete let down. The Muppets were never even mentioned in the book. <laughs> uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol is the best. Yeah, it is the best. It is. 